Thanks, guys. Tim, alcoholic. Hey, okay, so um, just a little, uh, first of all, we're on page 72. Tonight we're going to work on um, steps 5, 6, and 7. <clears throat> Up on the uh, table here we do have from last week uh, remaining fourth step sheets. So there is a resentment sheet, a fear sheet, and a sex conduct and all other harms sheet. So uh, feel free to uh, partake. And uh, with that, we'll get going. Uh, but i first like to start out with a, a set-aside prayer. Again, commonly used in this sort of workshop sort of format. So um, <clears throat> let's take about 30 seconds just to um, quiet our minds and wrap ourselves around what we're going to talk about tonight. And, uh, and then we'll say a version of a set-aside prayer. So just a moment of silence, please. God, please set aside everything I think I know about myself, the 12 steps, this book, the meetings, my disease, and you, God, so I may have an open mind and a new experience with all these things. Please let me see the truth. Amen. Okay, as I said, page 72, into action, chapter 6. Having made our personal inventory, so what are we referring to here? Fourth step sheets, right? Having made our personal inventory, what shall we do about it? We have been trying to get a new attitude, a new relationship with our creator, and to discover the obstacles in our path. So the obstacles in our path are resentments, fears, harms, and sex conduct that are remaining undisclosed, unanalyzed. Uh, We have admitted certain defects. We have ascertained in a rough way what the trouble is. What does the big book tell us is the root of our trouble? Selfishness, self-centeredness. Uh, you could also say self-centered fear. I think that's also a legitimate um, rough way of describing um, our, um, our problem. We have put our finger on the weak items in our personal inventory. Now these are about to be cast out. This requires action on our part, which, when completed, will mean that we have admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our defects. I do think after we got through uh, talking in step five, uh, as we're going to discuss a in a little bit, if you come up with the fact that you've been selfish, self-centered, would answer that sentence exactly. What is the exact nature of our defects? If you're a thief, is your exact nature of your defect the fact that you're a thief? No. no. You're selfish, self-centered. This brings us to the fifth step in the program of recovery mentioned in the preceding chapter. This is perhaps difficult, especially discussing our defects with, other, with another person. We think we have done well enough in admitting these things to ourselves. There is doubt about that. In actual practice, we usually find a solitary self-appraisal. Remember, anytime you see self-something, bad. <clears throat> solitary self-appraisal insufficient many of us thought it necessary to go much further we will be more reconciled to discussing ourselves with another person when we see good reasons plural why we should do so the best reason first if we skip this vital step 
we may not overcome drinking. I think you could end the conversation right there. The fact of the matter is, is the reason we're doing these things superficially, initially, is to stop drinking. The reason we're really doing it later on is to change our whole life, <laughs> right? But the fact that this could maybe uh, ruin us from not drinking ever again is reason enough. Time after time, newcomers have tried to keep to themselves certain facts about their lives, meaning keeping secrets, right? Trying to avoid this humbling experience, they have turned to easier methods, meaning not bringing it up, uh, understating it. Uh, those would be two good examples. So what is the purpose of the fifth step? Is to actually meet it head on and humble ourselves to it. Deflation of ego. You could, you could, you know, own seven companies and, and be the big shot in the community. But the fact of the matter is, unless you surrender to the process, humble ourselves to the process, you have the potential of drinking again. Almost invariably, they got drunk, having persevered with the rest of the program. They wondered why they fell. We think the reason is that they never completed their house cleaning. They took inventory all right, but they hung on to some of the worst items in stock. That would be a great example, I think, of doing a resentment sheet. And when you're done with it, still have the resentment just as badly as before you started. The idea of the resentment sheet is to get all the way through to the fifth column and find out what your responsibility is, what your part in it is, so that it relieves your blame of the other person, so that you can unblock and move on and not have this person, place, or institution rent space in our heads. Because if they are, it's blocking me from doing good maximum 12-step work. They took, uh, I said that, they only thought, in italicized, that they had lost their egoism and fear. They only thought they had humbled themselves, but they had not learned enough of humility, fearlessness, and honesty in the sense we find it necessary until they told someone else all their life story. So assets are hum humility, fearlessness, and honesty. That is the point of the fifth step, right? It's not confession that I say it and then somehow it goes away. I say it, I see my part in it, and it starts the process of diminishing uh, the fear, the resentment, refeeling, Latin for refeeling, uh, to stop the conduct, to, make, to, to be prepared to have the willingness to make the amends for the money I took. Right? It's to unblock all the shenanigans. More than most people, the alcoholic leads a double life. He is very much the actor. To the outer world, he presents his stage character. This is the one he likes his fellows to see. He wants to enjoy a certain reputation, but knows in his heart he doesn't deserve it. So we could feel as though we don't deserve it, because we're in here. We haven't gotten through the process. And I think George, who's not here tonight, made an excellent point uh, last week that this is not therapy. This is not the purpose of saying something to feel better about it. That would be really fall short. The idea is to say something about it, see our part in it, feel better about it, to do that. It's only about doing that. And the fact of the matter is, is the more the person is caught up in their ego, their false self, their reputation, their position, the less likely they are to humble themselves to the process. So the more uh, fearless we are about it and the more honest we are about it, the more humility we express in doing it, the more likely we'll get the best result. The inconsistency is made worse by the things he does on his sprees, meaning while drinking. Coming to his senses, he is revolted at certain episodes he vaguely remembers. These memories are a nightmare. 
He trembles to think someone might have observed him. As fast as he can, he pushes these memories far inside himself. He hopes they will never see the light of day. He is un under constant fear and tension. That makes for more drinking. So what's a little phrase that we use all the time? We're only as sick as our secrets. Does that mean that we have to put our hand up in the middle of a, of a meeting and, 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 and regurgitate a lot of stuff? Absolutely not. In fact, it's, it's not the venue. Psychologists are inclined to agree with us. We have spent thousands of dollars for examinations. We know but few instances where they have given, where we have given these doctors a fair break. We have seldom told them the whole truth, nor have we followed their advice. Unwilling to be honest with these sympathetic men, we were honest with no one else. Small wonder many in the medical profession have a low opinion of alcoholics and their chance for recovery. What was Silkworth's stat for recovery? The top guy in the country. What was his stat? 2% success rate. 2%. A guy who specialized in it. We must be entirely honest with somebody. If we expect to live along or, or happily in this world, rightly and naturally, we think well before we choose the person or persons. So what does that tell us? I think that opens up a lot of uh, um, uh, uh, latitude here. We can have somebody that we give 93% of our uh, fifth step to. And we have to go to a separate person for the remaining 7%. I think it means that we could sit in front of our sponsor and his sponsor. I think it means that we can uh, do um, a fourth step, more, a fifth step more than once, two different people. I think it, it's all of those things. I don't know where I dropped off there. Uh, with whom to take this intimate and confidential step? Those of us belonging to a religious denomination which requires confession must, and of course, will want to go to the properly appointed authority, whose duty it is to receive it. Though we have no religious connection, we may st still do well to talk with someone ordained by an established religion. We often find such a person quick to see and understand our problem. Of course, we sometimes encounter people who do not understand alcoholics. If we cannot or would rather not do this, we search for our acquaintance for a closed-mouthed, understanding friend, which of course would include sponsors, right? In the first 164 pages, the word sponsor is not used, right? But this would include that, right? Perhaps our doctor or psychologist will be the person. It may be one of our own family, but we cannot disclose anything to our wives or our parents which will hurt them and make them unhappy. We have no right to save our own skin at another person's expense. Such parts of our story we tell to someone who will understand yet be unaffected. So this is a good place to break for a second because it's, it's only four and a half pages tonight. So we can spend a little time here, and I think it's important. So I know it's rare, but I'm going to use it because it's extreme, just because I want you to start to think about this. If you've committed a very serious crime and it's not come to light yet, somebody's still looking for the perpetrator, and you're the perpetrator, right? Would you tell your sponsor that? No. It just told us why you can't do that. Because there's potential you're going to tell that person, that sponsor something, and that person is not protected legally. If the detective comes to them and says, do you know anything about such and such, they would be lying when they said, no, I don't know anything about it. They could be called to the stand to be dis deposed or whatever the hell they do. 
I, I'm almost acting like I, that's never happened to me before. <laughs> like, 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 I, like I'm, I'm virgin. I'm, I'm a virgin of, of the losses. So, um, so, so I, I use that extreme example to just to be conscious of that that particular. Remember, I used the the, the stat before. Maybe you tell somebody ninety three percent. Maybe the other seven percent goes to somebody who's more protected. See it. Um, and that definitely would mean that you wouldn't raise your hand in a meeting and say something, you know, generic, you know, you're putting everybody at, at harm there, in jeopardy. Um, you know, I say to people, like, as a, acting like a big shot or something, oh, they couldn't pull that out of me, they, they could, if you pull my nails out, I'll never divulge it. Well, that may be true, but the fact of the matter is that's not what's being said here. It says that that person shouldn't have told me that. And I did meet somebody recently. Uh, he's currently doing the uh, uh, St. Aidan's uh, Solution Group meeting. Uh, he's the first person that brought this to my attention. That um, he actually, before the uh, fifth step starts, he actually tells them that. If there's some big, he'll, he'll use, I think he uses the word felony, that you have not, you know, you haven't paid your dues on yet and they're still looking for you. Yeah, you you're going to have to deal with this. You're going to have to deal with it in step nine at some point, but let's not jump ahead of the do not tell me. I want you to go to X, Y, or Z, right? Because they're protected for that sort of stuff. And uh, so we're good there. And if you're not, when we go to show of hands, uh, please, please bring that up because I think it's important. Uh, the rule is we must be hard on ourselves, but always considerate of others. There's yet another sentence about that, right? Uh, another great example of this would be um, uh, uh, Bill goes to Dr. Bob in uh, 1935. The first person they go to work on is Eddie Riley. I, I, that was a setup. I thought you were going to do Bill Dotson. First person they go to work on, Eddie Riley. And Eddie Riley's living in Dr. Bob's house, and uh, he's a little. Doo -doo. And um, uh, Eddie Riley's wife is in the house also. And uh, a spiritual thing has happened to the both of them. They're getting on bo board with this, you know, it's, it's sort of the Oxford group thing at that point. And um, Eddie's wife thinks it's very, you know, now's the time I should tell Eddie about my affair. And like the whole thing went, you know, right down the tubes. So uh, that's another good example, non-criminal, but a, yet another example. He was not the person to hear that. Maybe Ann Smith was the person to hear that. And then for them to decide how that was going to be dealt with in the future. You would not tell somebody where it could hurt them, particularly somebody who's like nine days sober, right? It's wrong. So, okay. Notwithstanding the great necessity for discussing ourselves with someone, it may be one, it may be one is so situated that there is no suitable person available. If that is so, this step may be postponed only, however, if we hold ourselves in complete readiness. I think that means willingness, right? The same word to go through with it at the first opportunity. We say this because we are very anxious that we talk to the right person. So now there's three requirements of the person who this person we're going to tell to. Here's the three requirements. It is important that he be able to keep a confidence. That's important. That he fully understand and approve what we are driving at. It's important. And thirdly, that he will not try to change our plan. A meaning this, this spiritual process we're going through. Not somebody that has a completely different concept. They, they, they believe that you should do this another way. We don't want that person. But we must not use this as a mere excuse to postpone. When we decide who is to hear our story, we waste no time. We have written inventory and we are prepared for a long talk. We explain to our partner what we are about to do and why we have to do it. He should realize that we are engaged upon a life and death errand. Most people approached in this way will be glad to help. They will be honored by our confidence. So now here's some instructions. We pocket our pride and go to it. 
illuminating every twist of character, every dark cranny of the past. Once we have taken this step, withholding nothing, we are delighted. We can look the world in the eye, meaning we're unblocked, right? We can go, we can be alone at perfect peace and ease. Here's the fifth step promises, fifth step promises. Our fears fall away from us. We begin to feel the nearness of our creator. We may have had certain spiritual beliefs, but now we begin to have a spiritual experience. Remember the, the, the little scenario I've done in the past that one, two, and three is belief, is faith. Action four through 12 creates awareness and experience. These are all verbs. It's in action that the big guns happen. Up top is all philosophical. Yeah, yeah, I have faith. Yeah, yeah, I believe, I believe, I believe. Somebody says, I trust, I depend upon a higher power. You got to give me five examples. They're actual things you have to point to. It's not a conversation. It's not a college class. Proof. The feeling that the drink problem has disappeared will often come strongly. We feel we are on the broad highway, capital B, capital H, right? That's a spiritual concept. We are on a spiritual quest, walking hand in hand with the spirit of the universe. Same as saying God, same as saying higher power, right? Returning home, we find a place. So we've done our fifth step. Done. We're finished, right? Returning home, we find a place where we, be, where we can be quiet for an hour, carefully reviewing what we have done. That's meditating. Those two sentences, that's, uh, that, excuse me, that one sentence is meditating. We then, we thank God from the bottom of our heart that we know him better. That's a prayer. So we just meditated in prayer during this one hour after taking the fifth step. Taking this book down from our shelf, we turn to the page which contains the 12 steps. Page 5960, right? The 12 steps are listed right there. Carefully reading the first five proposals, which is the same as saying the first five steps, right? Carefully reading the first five proposals, we ask if we've admitted anything. For we are building an arch through which we shall walk a free man at last. So Bill's going to use all construction metaphor now, right? Is our work solid so far? You ask yourself this, and then you meditate on it. You intuitively see if you get some sort of feeling or thought about it. Are the stones properly in place? Meditate on that for a minute. Have we skimped on the cement put into the foundation? Have we tried to make mortar without sand? So that's a checklist after we've come home and sat and meditated, prayed, and during the hour, we go through this checklist all by ourselves. All these questions we'd want to do. Right? <clears throat> Page 76. <clears throat> if we can answer to our satisfaction... Then we look at step six. So in other words, we wrote out four. We met with this person, did five. Let's pretend it took two hours. We sat for an hour. We did our checklist. We're already doing six now. So we're going to go five, six, and seven like that. All at the same time. And why I think it's also important to do it that way is I think we'd lose momentum if we, okay, I'll meet you, you know, in three days and we'll do six and seven. What? I even forgot what I said. I would, all in one. Create the experience, right? It, it, you, you'd be more likely to get some sort of um, palpable uh, a feeling. We have emphasized willingness as being indispensable, meaning mandatory. Somebody's looking for a must. There's a must, right? Willingness is a must. So when we're looking for step six, here it is. Are we now ready to let God remove from us all the things which we have admitted are objectionable? Can he now have, can he now take them all, every one? So those would be the questions. We're going to do it together as a group. But 
there's step six. And if the person's like a little wishy-washy when, when you ask the question, we get instructions and it says, if we still cling to something we will not let go, we ask God to help us be willing. Notice it does not say, if we still cling to something we cannot let go. It says, will not. In other words, we've made a choice. You have a choice to let it go. It's a decision. If you're still holding it, you've made a decision to continue to hold it. If you've made a decision to turn it over to your higher power, then that you did it. All right, so that would be step six. When ready, we say something like this. So we go right from six into seven. Here is the seventh step prayer. I'll read it first and then I'll stand and we'll do it all together. But my creator, I am now willing that you should have all of me good and bad. I pray that you now remove from me every single defect of character which stands in the way of my usefulness to you and my fellows. Grant me strength as I go out from here to do your bidding. Amen. We have then completed step seven. So you see how it all goes together. So we're going to do six and seven together. Even if you've not written out your fourth and you, if you've written out your fourth and you have not done five, don't worry about it. You can do these things a billion times. It's fine. What I just want you to feel is though that you can find it in the book very readily for when you take somebody to it, A, and B, it's just fluid off of your tongue. So step six, I'm going to ask everybody these two questions. You're all going to say yes. Let me see it. Good, 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 good. So I wanted to set it up a little bit. Are you now ready to let God remove from you all the things which you have admitted are objectionable? Yes. Can he now take them all, every one? Yes. That would be just changing these questions into sponsor to sponsee. If you did these at home, the big book is actually giving us the instruction. You could do this at home on your own. It, it made that point very clearly. But, you know, if I'm with a guy and we, I, I love doing a, a fifth step on a retreat because we're sort of separated from everything and, you know, we go into some sort of quiet space. Five, six, seven, boom, fell swoop. <clears throat> Speaking of seven. So we'll read the uh, prayer right out of the book. And we'll read it out loud together. My creator, I am now willing that you should have all of me, good and bad. I pray that you now remove from me every single defect of character which stands in the way of my usefulness to you and my fellows. Grant me strength as I go out from here to do your bidding. Amen. So uh, we just, that's how you take steps six and seven. It's not much more complex than that. And um, uh, the, the big book is also clear that you could do that on your own also. Uh, in your hour at home, it's telling you, you could have done that by yourself, but uh, we didn't. Okay, that's where we're going to stop tonight. Thanks so much. Thanks, guys. Tim, alcoholic. Happy New Year. I saw we had cheesecake in there. I could not go into the kitchen for the that's so much stuff. Um, we're going to be doing steps eight and nine tonight. If you've not gotten an amends list from up here, I think uh, it would be a great idea. Something you can also follow along with. I'm going to refer to it a couple times. But if you don't feel like getting up now, just grab one on the way out. And, um, and that's cool. And uh, if you haven't been here before, all those guys that, that raised their hands uh, as being here first time or whatever, you should take one of everything. But uh, these three in front of me are repeats. So these are fourth step sheets. This is the ninth step amends list. Okay, so we're on page 76. And um, we are in the middle of the page. Second paragraph. And here we go. Now we need more action, without which we find that faith without works is dead. Ann Smith, Dr. Bob's wife, was uh, famous for saying this. this. is a biblical quote. Let's look at steps eight and nine. 
We have a list of all persons we have harmed and to whom we are willing to make amends. We made it when we took inventory. So we're good, right? We've got the eighth step done, right? Almost. Here's the little difference is we have a list of all persons we have harmed. There's our list. All we had to do is take them off the fourth step sheets. And we needed to decide if we're willing to now actually make the amends. So the way this is set up, you see the person's name or institution. You may owe it to the post office. I don't know. You may have firebombed them one day or something. You owe an amend, so you can put post office there. Uh, you'd have that listed, and then next to it, you'd put some sort of indication that I'm good with this one. I'm willing. You're well on your way when you're willing. Somebody shows me their sheet. I go right down that column and I look for where there's no check. That's where the problem is. If you're willing to make the amends, you're pretty good. If you say, I'm not contacting that person, I'm going to focus on that like a pit bull. You have to become willing to make the amends. Does it mean you do it next Tuesday? Probably not. We're going to do easy ones first and work our way up to the hard ones. But if there's a column here that remains unchecked, unwilling, that's a problem. That will get you drunk quicker than anything. So it's only about becoming willing. We can discuss when and what is going to be done later. So then, once you've completed that, now if you're, if you're um, uh, at the point where you're not willing, what would we do about it? Pray like the Dickens. Pray for the willingness to be able to make the amends at some point. Okay? We subjected ourselves to a drastic self-appraisal. So we did that in, in four. We did that in five. We've made our eight-step uh, list. Right? We've made our eight-step list. And now... <clears throat> Now, not a month from now, now we go out to our fellows and repair the damage done in the past. So now we're at step nine. Once the list is done, we're being instructed. Now we go out to our fellows and repair the damage done in the past. We attempt to sweep away the debris which has accumulated out of our effort to live on self-will. Remember, that's why our life is unmanageable, because we're living on self-will. And run the, sh run the show ourselves. If we haven't the will to do this, we ask until it comes. So that's the, the concept that we're going to pray about it. We're going to pray to get the willingness. But if somebody says, well, where is step nine in the book? You just read it. Here it is. You can turn this into a question. We're going to do it later on. But you would turn into a question from where I started there. Now we go out all the way down to uh, run the show ourselves. We're going to turn that into a question. That is asking if somebody is going to do nine. I want commitment that you're going to do nine. <clears throat> Remember, it was already, it was agreed at the beginning in italics now, we would go to any lengths for victory over alcohol. So what it's saying is, is that the willingness coupled with the action is the thing that's going to keep us sober. That's the any lengths. Probably there are still some misgivings. As we look over the list of business acquaintances and friends we have hurt, we may feel diffident, meaning hesitant, we may feel diffident about going to some of them on a spiritual basis. Let us be reassured. To some people, we need not and probably should not emphasize the spiritual feature on our first approach. What does that imply? That sometimes amends require multiple approaches. Right? Maybe you start out with some low-level stuff and you kick it up a notch and you kick it up a notch, right? Or you reprove yourself, like if you're going to make a payment plan, each time you make the payment that you've agreed to, right? That's another approach. That's another ticking away at the, uh, at the amends. We might prejudice them, meaning about a spiritual concept right from the very beginning. At the moment, we are trying to put our lives in order, but this is not an end in itself. So sobriety is not an end in itself. What's the end in itself? 
Our real purpose is to fit ourselves to be of maximum service to God and to the people about us. That's why we're sober. Individual sobriety lays the foundation. After that, that is not enough. We need to adapt ourselves to be of maximum service to God and to people about us. That is all about step 12. The purpose of the first 11 steps is to do 12. Everything else is moot. If you're not doing 12, you're not doing it. And you may get away with it for years. We see this all the time. What happens when you go to an anniversary meeting? Somebody celebrates 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 8, 9, 11. Next guy that celebrates got 26. All the people in the middle, they may not be drinking, but they're not here. So they're not, prefer- they're not performing step 12. Right? They may be doing some version of it, but they're not helping the alcoholic just walked in the door just now. They're, they're doing, they may be doing the second part, practice these principles of our fear. They may be the most spiritual people in the whole world. They're out at, their, I don't know, they're at Stop and Shop. That's terrific. But they're not doing the first part. <clears throat> it is seldom wise to approach an individual who still smarts from our injustice to him and announce that we have gone religious. In the prize ring, this would be called leading with the chin. Why lay ourselves open to being branded fanatics or religious bores? And what's a bore is somebody who, a uh, uh, tedious repetition, a very dull sort of conversation. We don't want that, right? We're saying do not go down that road. We may kill a future opportunity to carry a beneficial message. That's the point. It's not about an agenda. It's not about smacking them in the head with the big book. If, if that's going to work, I say that that's good. But if it's, if it's counterproductive, give it up. Because what we're trying to do is carry a beneficial message. And you got to get through to the audience, right? If your audience is different, if somebody said to me, well, what kind of sponsor are you? I don't know. I'm different to every one of them, right? I adapt myself to what I think they need. Some need to be pushed. Some need to be you hold back a little bit. You know, some need to be coddled. You got to figure it out. It's an intuitive thing. But our man is sure to be impressed with a sincere desire to set right the wrong. In other words, we're going to them and they're not going to be interested in in talking about your spiritual awakening. They want to know where their money is. Right? Or the apology. He is going to be more interested in a demonstration of goodwill than in our talk of spiritual discoveries. So going to them and talking about all this great information you have in steps one, two, and three aren't nearly as important as the work we're doing in four through 12. This is a demonstration of goodwill, right? I went through the whole process. I needed to do four to, do, to go to five, to do six and seven, to give me the list on eight for me to show up and see the guy on nine. That's the demonstration of goodwill. Chit chat about the spiritual thing in one, two, and three. Save that until after you cut the deal where you're going to make the payment 100 a week until you paid off. Save that. We don't use this as an excuse for shying away from the subject of God. When it will serve any good purpose, we are willing to announce our convictions with tact and common sense. The question of, of excuse me, the question of how to approach the man we hated past tense it does not say hate because how do we know it's past tense you got rid of the hate in four you had a resentment against the person and you figured out what your part in it is and it worked magic on you and if it didn't you're doing six and seven you're praying you're asking god to help you through that you know i still Joey, I just, I still hate him. I still hate him. Terrific. You're supposed to be praying about him. Yeah, yeah, but I still hate him. Terrific. Pray more. So it's hated. Past tense. It may be he has done us more harm than we have done him. And though we may have acquired a better attitude toward him, we are still not too keen about admitting our faults. Nevertheless, with the person we dislike, we take the bit in our teeth. It is harder to go to an enemy than to a friend. 
but we find it much more beneficial to us. Beneficial in what sense? Better to stay sober with. Remaining hating that person will only get us drunk. We go to him in a helpful and forgiving spirit, confessing our former ill feeling and expressing our regret. Under no condition do we criticize such a person or argue. Simply we tell him that we, ne we will never get over our drinking until we have done our utmost to straighten out the past. So if you have a resentment, it says that what you're supposed to do is go to the person and say, listen, I'm trying to clear away my side of the street. Any ill feelings I've had about you in the past, I'm letting it go. Bygones be got bygones. Love you, brother. Done. There's your beautiful job. You just did a beautiful job. If they're still holding on to something, that's their problem. We are there to sweep off our side of the street. Realizing that nothing worthwhile can be accomplished until we do so. Never trying to tell him what he should do. Right? So nothing will be accomplished until we do this. Holding resentments is the number one offender to get us drunk. Resentments equal bad. Drunk. <clears throat> His faults are not discussed. Now, that sometimes can, you know, you can read that a couple of ways. If he brings them up and wants to chit-chat about them, that's terrific. But we don't initiate. We're there about our part in the game. If our manner is calm, frank, and open, we will be gratified with the result. In nine cases of, out of ten, the unexpected happens. That's 90% in case nobody knew that, right? 90% of the time... We're saying from personal experience, the, the, the first hundred are saying the unexpected happens. Sometimes the man will, we are calling upon admits his own fault. So feuds of years standing melt away in an hour. Rarely do we fail to make satisfactory progress. Our former enemies sometimes praise what we are doing and wish us well. Occasionally they will offer assistance. It should not matter. However, if someone does throw us out of his office, we have made our demonstration, done our part. It's water over the dam. Now, do we have to go back to this person to make another amends? Nope, done. Most alcoholics owe money. We do not dodge our creditors. Telling them what we are trying to do, we make no bones about our drinking. They usually know it anyway, whether we think so or not. Nor are we afraid of disclosing our alcoholism on the theory it may cause financial harm. Approached in this way, the most ruthless creditor will sometimes surprise us. Okay, so now we're going to take a little stab at the difference between an amend and an apology. So watch this. Arranging the best deal we can. That's an amend, assuming you follow through with it. So your money, you, you're going to pay $30 a week. That is arranging the best deal we can. That's an amend, assuming you follow through. We let these people know we are sorry. That's an apology. Two different things. Our drinking has made us slow to pay. We must lose our fear of creditors no matter how far we have to go. For we are liable to drink if we are afraid to face them. So by not doing this, it's the book is threatening us. You will drink. It may not be Tuesday. It may be nine years from now. But you will drink. Because you actually have not gone all in. You did not surrender to the recipe. This is the recipe of a particular... This is a formula. You got to do the whole formula. To the best of your ability. Perhaps we have committed a criminal offense which might land us in jail if it were known to the authorities. We may be short in our accounts and unable to make good. We have already admitted this in, in, in confidence to another person, meaning the fifth step. But we are sure we would be imprisoned or lose our job if it were known. Maybe it's only a petty offense such as padding the expense account. Most of us have done that sort of thing. 
Maybe we are divorced and have remarried, but haven't kept up the alimony to number one. She is indignant about it and has a warrant out for our arrest. That's a common form of trouble too. Although these reparations take innumerable forms, although these amends, reparations is an amend, repair, see the root word in there? Although these reparations can take innumerable forms, there are some good general principles which we find guiding, reminding ourselves that we, that we have decided to go to any lengths to find a spiritual experience. So it's the spiritual experience which is what gets us sober, and it's the constant action within 12 that keeps us sober. So the purpose of doing all this uh, a work up through nine is to generate a spiritual experience or a spiritual awakening, right? Of the educational variety. We're, we're going we're gonna to grow into it. It might not be a white light thing, but the purpose of what we're doing is to have that experience because that's what's going to keep us sober. Let's see the rest of the sentence. I underline the rest of the sentence. Here is the ninth step prayer. We ask that we be given strength and direction to do the right thing, no matter what the personal consequences may be. So you're, you're going to go off and you're going to do your uh, amends and you're, you're fearful t 15 minutes before you knock on the door to go into the office. You say this prayer. This is the ninth step prayer. We may lose our position or reputation or face jail, but we are willing Willingness is key. It did not say, but you must do it. It said, let's deal with first things first. You must be willing. If you're unwilling, we got a serious problem. We have to be. We must not shrink at anything. Usually, however, other people are involved. Therefore, we are not to be the hasty and foolish martyr who would needlessly sacrifice others to save himself from the alcoholic pit. A man we know had remarried because of resentment, number one offender, and drinking, he had not paid alimony to his first wife. She was furious. She went to court and got an order for his arrest. He had commenced our way of life, meaning he's doing the steps and secured a position, got a job, and was getting his head above water. He was sober. It would have been impressive heroics if he had walked up to the judge and said, here I am. We thought he ought to be willing to do that if necessary. But if he were in jail, he could not, he could provide nothing for either family. <clears throat> and that's also why these ideas of amends and what you're going to do and when you're going to do it, it's important to run it by a sponsor, a sober network, potentially an attorney, right? Maybe a psychologist. These things should be discussed. You don't just run off half-cocked, right? We suggested he write his wife, excuse me, he, we suggested he write his first wife admitting his faults and asking for forgiveness, Right? So that's an apology, asking for forgiveness. <clears throat> he did, and also sent a small amount of money. That's an amends. He asked for forgiveness, apology, and also sent a small amount of money. Assuming he keeps going with the small amount of money, he's doing his ninth step. If he made the apology and didn't send the money, but could have, he did not do a ninth step. He told her what he would try to do in the future. He said he was perfectly willing to go to jail if she insisted. Of course she did not. And the whole situation has long since been adjusted. <clears throat> so this is the little um, advice that I've gotten on this sheet. So on the sheet is this. Before taking drastic action, which might implicate other people, we secure their consent. If we have obtained permission, have consulted with others, asked God to help, and the drastic step is indicated, 
we must not shrink. That's a rule. That's not a suggestion. That's a rule. Particularly since it could affect somebody else. This brings to mind a story about one of our friends. This is not an AA story. This is an Oxford group story. <coughs> Went while drinking. He accepted a sum of money from a bitterly hated business rival, giving him no receipt for it. He subsequently denied having received the money and used the incident as a basis for discrediting the man. He thus used his own wrongdoing as a means of destroying the reputation of another. In fact, his rival was ruined. He felt that he had done a wrong he could not possibly make right. If he opened that old affair, he was afraid it would destroy the reputation of his partner, disgrace his family, and take away his means of livelihood. What right had he to involve the, those dependent upon him? How could he possibly make a, a public statement exonerating his rival? After consulting with his wife and partner, I'll add in and sponsor, he came to the conclusion that it was better to take those risks than to stand before his creator guilty of such ruinous slander. He saw that he had to place the outcome in God's hands, or he would soon start drinking again, and all would be lost anyhow. He attended church for the first time in many years. After the sermon, he quietly got up and made an explanation. His action met widespread approval. And today, he is one of the most trusted citizens in his, of his town. This all happened years ago. The chances are that we have domestic troubles. Perhaps we are mixed up with women in a fashion we wouldn't care to have advertised. We doubt if, in this respect, alcoholics are fundamentally much worse than other people. But drinking does complicate sex relations in the home. After a few years with an alcoholic, a wife gets worn out resentful and uncommunicative how could she be anything else the husband begins to feel lonely sorry for himself he commences to look around in the nightclubs or their equivalent for something besides liquor perhaps he is having a secret and exciting affair with the girl who understands in fairness we must say that she may understand but what are we going to do about a thing like that? A man so involved often feels very remorseful at times, especially if he is married to a loyal and courageous girl who has literally gone through hell for him. Whatever the situation, we usually have to do something about it. If we are sure our wife does not know, should we tell her? Not always, we think. If she knows in a general way that we have been wild, should we tell her in detail? Undoubtedly, we should admit our fault. She may insist on knowing all the particulars. She will want to know who the woman is and where she is. We feel we ought to say to her that we have no right to involve another person. We are sorry for what we have done and, God willing, it shall not be repeated. More than that, we cannot do. We have no right to go further. Though there may be justifiable exceptions, and though we wish to lay down no rule of any sort, we have often found this the best course to take. Our design for living is not a one-way street. It is as good for the wife as for the husband. If we can forget, so can she. It is better, however, that one does not needlessly name a person upon whom she can vent jealousy. Perhaps there are some cases where the utmost frankness is demanded. No outsider can appraise such an intimate situation. It may be that both will decide that the weight of, of good sense and loving kindness is to let bygones be bygones. Each might pray about it, having the others, the other one's happiness utmost, uppermost in mind. Let me just read that again. I think that's really important. Each might pray about it, having the other one's happiness uppermost in mind. 
Keep it always in sight that we are dealing with that most terrible human emotion, jealousy. Good generalship may decide that the problem be attacked on the flank rather than risk a face-to-face combat. If we have no such complication, there is plenty we should do at home. Sometimes we hear an alcoholic say that the only thing he needs to do is keep sober. Certainly he must keep sober. I think that's a good example of a living amends. Staying sober would be a living amends. For there will be no home if he doesn't. But he is yet a long way from making good. That's an amends. He is a long way from making good to the wife or parents whom for years he has so shockingly treated. Passing all understanding is the patients, the patients mothers and wives have had with alcoholics. Had this not been so, many of us would have no homes today, would perhaps be dead. The alcoholic is like a tornado roaring his way through the lives of others. Hearts are broken, sweet relationships are dead, affections have been uprooted. Where have we seen this one before? Selfish and inconsiderate habits have kept the home in turmoil. It does not say drinking, right? Because what the the exact nature of our room is is, is selfish, self-centered, right? The booze is a symptom of living a self-will life. That's an unmanageable life. We feel a man is unthinking when he says that sobriety is enough. He is like the farmer who came up out of his cyclone cellar to find his home ruined. To his wife, he remarked, don't see anything the matter here, Ma. Ain't it grand the wind stopped blowing? So you see the point there. The house is gone. (laughs) And he's talking about the wind has stopped. Yeah, well, now we got a, you know, we got a house we have to rebuild. So there is problems here, Ma. Yes, there is a long period of reconstruction ahead. So reconstruction is amending destruction. We have to we have to rebuild. It's action, it's verb, it's doing stuff. We must take the lead. A remorseful mumbling that we are sorry won't fill the bill at all. We ought to sit down with the family and frankly analyze the past as we now see it, being very careful not to criticize them. Their defects may be glaring, but the chances are that our own actions are partly responsible. So we clean house with the family, asking each morning in meditation, that's step 11, right, that our creator show us the way of patience, tolerance, kindliness, and love. Those are all assets. And you could turn that a little bit into a prayer also. You could say, God, please show me the way of patience, tolerance, kindliness, and love. The spiritual life is not a theory. We have to live it in italics. Unless one's family expresses a desire to live upon spiritual principles, we think we ought not urge them. We should not talk incessantly to them about spiritual matters. They will change in time. Our behavior will convince them more than our words. We must remember that 10 or 20 years of drunkenness would make a skeptic out of anyone. There may be some wrongs we can never fully right. We don't worry about them if we can honestly say to ourselves that we would right them if we could. That's willingness. Everybody saw that. That's important. As long as you're willing, if an amends can't be made, you're good. Some people cannot be seen. We send them an honest letter. So the big book does say, as a suggestion, that that is an option. Of course, that's probably going to be more in the line of the apology rather than the amend. But in the amend, if it stated what you were going to do to fix the problem, and then you followed through with it, good. And there may be a valid reason for postponement in some cases, but we don't delay if it can be avoided. We should be, all assets now, we should be sensible, tactful, considerate, and humble without being servile or scraping. 
As God's people, we stand on our feet. We don't crawl before anyone. So, say again? Um, servant is the root word. Uh, you, you know, you're being a slave to them. Um, so, uh, the promises on 83, 84, here they are. If we are paying stake, how many promises are there? Twelve, of course, not by mistake, right? If we are painstaking about this phase of our development, we will be amazed before we are halfway through. We are going halfway through what? Half, ninth step, not six. There's twelve steps, halfway through nine. We are going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. We are not, we will not regret the past nor wish to shut the door on it. We will comprehend the word serenity and we will know peace. No matter how far down the scale we have gone, we will see how our experience can benefit others. Wow. That feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. We will lose interest in selfish things and gain interest in our fellows. Self-seeking will slip away. Our whole attitude and outlook upon life will change. Fear of people and of economic insecurity will leave us. We will intuitively know how to handle situations which used to baffle us. We will suddenly realize that God is doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. Are these extravagant promises? They are being fulfilled among us, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. They will always materialize if we work for them. I'm going to stop there tonight.